0: this is Dan Eaton. I'm a reporter with Columbus Business First, and this is Newsmakers, a podcast with Central Ohio leaders and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I talked with Duncan and James Forbes, who, along with their mother Jane, own and run North Country Charcuterie, a Columbus-based maker of cured salamis and other meat products. Even if you don't know the name North Country, you still may know their work, is they've become a go-to salami supplier for restaurant charcuterie boards around central Ohio and beyond, not to mention their presence on store shelves. That's a business that obviously was challenged in the past year as restaurants were limited by the COVID-19 pandemic. Duncan and James talked about their business origins, how they managed their company through the pandemic, how those new products and innovations have better prepared the business for the future, and what products James would like to get on store shelves. As always, thanks for listening. Thank you uh, gentlemen, both for joining me today for our podcast. As I told you, we're going to spend a few minutes just chatting about your business and what you've seen in the last year and how you've adapted to it.
1: Thanks a lot for having us. It's great to be here. Good to see you again.
0: Good to see you. Good to see you as well. So, I think the best place to start is uh, maybe for folks who don't know who you are, uh, give me a little introduction, a little background about uh, North Country Charcuterie and what it is the two of you do, more than the two of you, your company does. So
2: we we are uh, North Country Charcuterie. Uh, My name is James, and this is Duncan. We're brothers. Uh, We grew up here in Columbus, and uh, I started the company about seven years ago with help of our mother, and Duncan joined us about a year after that, and we specialized in dry cured meats, think uh, salami and prosciutto. And then we also have branched into fresh sausage, like chorizo, uh, hot Italian, bratwurst, what have
0: you. Why was this a a business that you wanted to go into, James?
2: Uh, Well, I've been a chef for about 10 years in Columbus before starting the company, and uh, cured meats had become sort of a hobby of mine via my culinary school training at Columbus State. I had been an apprentice at the Rocky Fork Hunt and Country Club out in Gahanna, where the chef, Josh Wickham there, just sort of started playing around with it one day, and I was an apprentice, and I thought, well, why not help out? And then after school, it just continued to be a hobby of mine, uh, more specializing in the French style of cooked products, like pâtés and tureens and sausages. About seven years ago, uh, I was reanalyzing my career path uh, with my mom, and thought well why don't we try and make a business because this is a growing trend of charcuterie across the country and we saw an opportunity and at the time there was no one in central Ohio no one in the state for that matter uh, making dry cured meats on the more craft level and once Duncan joined us it just sort of started snowballing and we have survived many hurdles and continue to uh,
1: push forward.
0: Good, good. We'll, we'll, we'll get to uh, a couple of those hurdles here in, in a minute, but jump me to today. Where's the business at today? Where can folks find you? How far uh, is your reach? Because I know you, you've you expanded far beyond um, uh, just central Ohio at this point.
1: So when we, when we started out, um, we were working out of a food business incubator uh, now called 1400 Food Lab. At that time we were selling only within the state of Ohio Then at the beginning of 2018 we sort of graduated from the incubator opened up our own production facility and got usda inspection and so that's where we're standing right now is actually in our uh, production facility Uh, so now we can we're making about uh, 200 pounds of uh, dry cured salami and chorizo a day uh, plus about uh, about 200 pounds of fresh sausage a week and about 100 to 200 pounds of bacon every week as well so our we've scaled up production a lot while still maintaining, you know, we're focusing a lot on central Ohio. Our products are available on our website, northcountrycharcuterie.com. And uh, we can also ship everything nationwide. Now we have USDA inspection, both the fresh sausages that James has alluded to, and then the the dry cured salami that we, is kind of our our staple. Uh, Locally here in Columbus, Wylands Market carries our products, Hills Market downtown, uh, Greater Gouda up in uh, Delaware, uh, now Blues Creek out in Plain City and uh, Black Radish Creamery at uh, both North Market locations. And there's a, a bunch of other stores as well. And I apologize, I'm blanking on some of them, but they're all listed um, on our website as well. And, you know, our growth now is really, we were focused, well, we've kind of gone through fits and starts focused nationally and locally, regionally, and trying to figure out, you know, exactly where it is, what's the sweet spot. And, you know, right now we're, we're, uh, we've kind of come back to central Ohio. And then the contiguous states as well, Michigan, Indiana, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, and then maybe one state out from there have more of a regional uh, sales focus uh, moving forward.
0: Well, how or why did that uh, change or evolve over, over the years? As you said, you, know, you, you maybe thought bigger at one point, then you kind of narrowed that. Is it, is it just kind of that process of, of learning the business and where the opportunities are at? Or I guess, how did, how did that scope change over the years?
1: Yeah, uh, great question. It's a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, and a lot of travel, and then seeing really what, where does, where do our products resonate more with consumers? Where do they resonate more with chefs? You know, 2019, I was in a different city. I I manage all the sales and marketing and business development for the company. I was in a different city almost every week, whether it be Chicago or Detroit or Nashville or expanding into D.C. We also had a distributor out in California carrying our products, made periodic trips to San Francisco and Napa Valley. And yeah, you're absolutely right. It was really just, we we were so new and the artisan cured meat industry is also relatively new within the last, you know, 10, 15 years. We got to figure out where does it all make sense. and, And then And I don't mean to jump the gun on talking about the pandemic, but that's fine. It's going to come up. (laughs) Yeah, it grounded me, so I wasn't doing traveling uh, or as much, as really, any at all. And then so we had to then focus on what could we manage more regionally with, and then also that's going to be where things resonate more. You know, so we don't have the distribution in California that we do anymore. Um, You know, I think. It just again it wasn't it wasn't resonating with consumers the way it was before Uh, but we did maintain distribution in the mid-atlantic in the dc area and then of course through in in ohio michigan kentucky tennessee and those places as well
0: Let's chat about the last year. How did um, the pandemic impact uh, your business? You you touched on one aspect certainly uh, uh, just then, but you know what did it do to your sales, and how did you have to change to, or did you have to change to to you know keep the business you know viable in the past year?
1: Yeah, prior to the pandemic, about sixty percent of our revenue was to restaurants, and so when all, all the stay at home orders were issued, you know overnight, and then that was sixty uh, percent of our revenue gone. And, you know, there was a run on toilet paper. There wasn't a run on artisan cured meats. So we, you know, we shut down for about two was it two months, three months, something. Well, like.
2: we let our employees go. About, we furloughed them for about three months because we didn't really know what to expect. And when 60% of your revenue stream shuts down in one day, you gotta save money wherever you can. And we wanted the employees to be comfortable while we figured out how to handle the situation here, especially because of all the press that a lot of other large meat processors were getting across the country. Uh, Thankfully, we didn't have any of those major issues, but we stopped. We we closed for three months, but we did have about 5,000 pounds of meat here in facility, packaged, ready to sell, or in the drying process. So the three of us, myself, Duncan, and my, our mom sort of still buckled down and just tried to keep the business alive.
1: We were in a unique position where that everything that was already finished and then in the drying room was still sellable. You know, we didn't, you know, that we often complain that products take so long to dry, like our main salami takes a minimum of five weeks to dry, which is, which is really hard for planning and and we're carrying our carrying costs are, are significant, but then this time it was actually an advantage. Where by definition, cure, you know, meat curing is a food preservation method, so we can uh, sit on the inventory for a little bit, see how things are going to go, and then we were able to kind of chip away at that, and then slowly we brought employees back and started to resume product or production. James had alluded to it a little bit. We launched a full line of fresh sausages, um, and and when when a lot of large meat processors were shutting down because of COVID outbreaks, and there was a run on a lot of meat at different uh, stores, we thought well, maybe we can fill the gap a little bit and, and then and harness some of that energy. And so, yeah, so our supply chain being, since we're a small producer, our supply chain was really intact. We had one processor shut down for a very brief time, but then our, our farms were still intact, our main uh, uh, processors were still intact, and so we didn't actually have any shortages or anything like that. Started to make the fresh sausages, selling those through local grocery delivery services and through some retailers. And then we started to make charcuterie kits. So we partnered up with a couple of local businesses like Black Radish Creamery or Coco Borrego Cheese Company, some other jam companies as well, putting together kind of a uh, a DIY charcuterie board. So one meat, one cheese, one accoutrement, shipped those off to people and those were good to go. Those really kind of increased as we got towards the holidays and holiday season 2019 we sold about 60 of those because we had just dipped our toe into e-commerce and then holiday season 2020 we sold over 1200 of them
0: that's fantastic so that was a huge
1: increase and that's what really allowed us to continue to uh survive throughout the throughout the pandemic
0: and james a product question the fresh sausages, was that um, was that something you had wanted to do at some point anyway, or was that a, just sort of an innovation that, that you came up with because you saw a need and, and an opportunity?
2: It was something we had been wanting to do for a while, just never had the time to really get it going. Um, we knew we needed to do something along those lines, especially from a cash flow perspective, because... Like Duncan said, our, minimum, our products do take a long time, a minimum of five weeks, so we might not see any cash revenue from our products for 60 to 90 days after we've purchased the ingredients, whereas with fresh sausage, we can have all our ingredients in the plant on Monday, and we can be making, getting cash on that by Wednesday so it's just it's a a very important part of uh, a meat processing facility to have those multiple different types of of products
1: and we kind of looked at our you know we've got these we've got this equipment already you know we've got a grinder mixed big Mm -hmm. 200 pound capacity mixer grinder we've got a sausage stuffer you know we've got packaging equipment what are some other how are some ways that we can use that existing equipment and, and make
0: how is business today? You mentioned, you know, this time last year, roughly a little, you know, i uh, will say 13, 14 months ago, you know, 60% of the business was restaurants. So has that restaurant business returned? I guess, what is, what is the mix like now? What are you doing? These
1: days? Restaurant business has come back dramatically. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, our main restaurant distributor has been placing orders on a very regular basis, uh, which is really great to see. Uh, so much so, I emailed our buyer the other day just asking, you know, what are, what's going on? Like, is, are we back? Are we, are we getting there? Like, what are you seeing? Because we're going to have to make some adjustments on our production if we need to. And so that's been coming back a lot. We've actually we've seen a, a, a dip in personal charcuterie or board orders or charcuterie kit orders uh, aside from around the holidays. Like, so we saw a big spike for Mother's Day. Um, saw a, a spike for Easter. So kind of around that holiday and gathering uh, times. And so we'll focus then on, on you know, Father's Day and, and other holidays coming up. And we can, but we continue to see a lot of corporate gift giving, you know, so employees are still, a lot of employees are still working from home. And in order for teams to stay connected, then, you know, I'll get a contact, I'll get contacted you know, from the HR department of a company. And so then we'll ship off, you know, 50 or 60 of those charcuterie kits across the country. And so we still, so we don't see like, again, like the regular e-commerce like we were seeing, but we see kind of a big balloon from those corporate orders.
0: Yeah. Is the restaurant business the same? Are they ordering the same things they were ordering before or has has that changed in any way?
1: It's a, it's about the same, you know, because with through restaurants we were really only selling our, our bacon and then the dry cured salami and chorizo. We're not selling any of the fresh sausages, so, I mean, honestly, I think most of our restaurant customers don't even know about it, which is mm-hmm. like a, my fault, but uh, yeah, I haven't been focused on it either. You know, I'm not, I'm sort, of, we sort of let, like, we wanted to kind of leave restaurants alone, not bother them. Uh, they've got so much to figure out that, you know, once they want to add a charcuterie board to the menu then
2: you know we'll, we'll, we'll talk to them or some sort of fresh sausage made with
1: the uh, local Ohio pork. So. Yeah so we're, we're start to get into that a little bit I think over the next couple of months as well uh, we, were, we're sausage, um, we were making sausage we were making sausage for a couple of restaurants right now and then uh, we're, something that we've shifted into recently too is co-packing which is kind of fun so we work with a lot of small farms in the region, both in Ohio and Kentucky, uh, that, you know, maybe they're not large enough to uh, pr- supply us on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're mostly selling at farmer's markets or uh, on their pop-ups or their own market store. So they, but then they've got some, they've got trim, they've got other meat left over, So they bring that to us. We turn that into salami for them and then uh, charge them a processing fee. And then they have a value added product that they can then sell through all of their channels. And, um, that's been a really fun part of the business that just kind of fell in our lap a couple of years ago, and then we've dialed it up over the last year. And uh, it's fun to work with a lot of other small farms across the region, and then and provide a great service for them to then to help you know supplement some of their own revenue with the new products. It really helps us get back to our ethos as well with the company. that's
2: set it up as wanting to. Uh, help other companies grow with ours and work with more small farms uh, to help them grow and uh, develop their products and their their offerings. So it's been been great getting back more connected with them uh, on that basis.
0: Uh, you set me up nicely. This is a nice transition into, um, what do you expect the, the rest of this year look, to, to look like? What kind of opportunities are, are out there? Are you doing any, do you expect to do anything new you know, in the coming, you know, six months or so? Or, or is it more about, you know, last year was a weird one. You just want things to get back to kind of some familiarity this year.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of both. The, the, the pandemic forced us to innovate and, and get creative. And so we can now go, I think along all of both of those or all of those sales channels and all of those product lines I think if the restaurants continue to open up at the pace that they're opening, we're gonna quickly run out of space. And we're we're already hiring more uh more team members to join the join the salami squad. <laughs> 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 and we'll con- again continue to I'm looking to make some
2: equipment purchases as well. Yeah. To- you know, still maintain that handmade quality, but make us more efficient and be able to make more product because we're, we're only able to make product from 6 a.m. to 2.30 because of USDA regs. So we got to be able to use that time as efficiently as we can.
0: Explain that to me, the, the, why, why you can only make it. I, I, I'm unfamiliar with this. So uh, we, don't don't have we don't have enough.
1: time to go into all that. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
2: it's a lot of government regulation. Uh, the USDA, the way they word it is they provide you with 43 hours of inspection a, di- a week. Uh, any, I guess, any product produced for human consumption on the, I guess, a manufactured level that's on B2B that has more than 2% meat ingredients in it has to have USDA or state level Department of Agriculture uh, inspection and involvement. So, if we want to make products, if we want to cut meat, measure ingredients, package product. But anything with a USDA inspection emblem on it, it has to occur during those hours. Oh, if wow. we want to slide those hours, uh, we have to pay them overtime. And if we want to work on a weekend, we pay them overtime. Uh, and if we want to work on a federal holiday we have to pay them overtime.
0: okay so you have to if i if i heard you right you have to be open basically the hours that they're open Yes. Right? yeah wow i did not know that that's re- weird re- and fascinating and probably frustrating
2: yeah and our uh, the inspectors are here on a day-to-day basis okay we're provided we're supposed we're required to provide them with a work surface uh-huh. and uh, a locking filing cabinet so they can keep their files here and they're here almost every day. Okay, to so be here every day, fifteen minutes, two hours. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's all part of the part of the deal.
0: Wow, I did not, I did not know that. That's interesting. So, what's out there that you would still like to do, from a from a product standpoint? What what are what are some things that you're either working on or maybe one day would like to get to a point to to add to what um, uh, the North Country uh, selection, so to speak.
2: So the new product is, a, it's a new director at salami. It's called the Zinn Salami because it's got a Zinfandel, Old Vine Zinfandel made by Scott Zannon of Zanin Wines. He's a local guy, uh, but he works with a winery out in Sonoma. The wine is only sold here in Ohio, uh, so it's really flavorful, lots of fruit notes, uh, and then it's also got a lot of uh, garlic and black pepper. Uh, so far, it's been getting a lot of really great reviews. So you can
1: find it at all of our retailers. And on our website too, we put together some fun collaborations on our charcuterie kits with the Zen Salami with uh, Coco Borrego, uh, Forged in Stone, uh, Belisari's, and then at Cincinnati, Urbanstead Cheese, we incorporated uh, all their products into the charcuterie kits, launching the Zen Salami.
2: I would like to add more whole muscle products. I wanna bring Copa in, maybe Alonza, uh, which is, a cured is cured pork loin. Copa's cured pork collar, a prosciutto would be amazing. But those all take a lot more space and a lot more time to do it all. Really like to improve our, well, more efficiencies in terms mm-hmm. of more consistent sizing in our products and improve upon our packaging. So it's more streamlined and uh, it provides a longer lasting and more quality product to the customers.
0: The space you're currently in—is it how how long is that going to be adequate for uh, for your needs, or, or are you going to have to look to move or expand um, at some point in the in the future?
2: So pre-pandemic, I was looking at we were going to need to move out of here in two years.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: we were maxed out. Again, during the, the pandemic, we reorganized our space a lot. And turned on some refrigeration that we'd had for a while; it just wasn't we weren't using, um, which has helped a lot. Created an entire mail order room uh, that had just been full of junk. <laughs> um, still need to get rid of some of that. We just moved it to another place. Uh, I think we can get more creative with the spacing here, and if we have better uh, another another cooler, we could do it. But I think five years. Uh, we definitely will need to. We need more space. Um, we will certainly need to. We need more drying room space because we max that out at about five thousand pounds of raw, and that's that's a month's production, and we can easily sell that in a month or less. So, I think in probably five or less years, we're going to need a larger facility.
1: It's something that's a, a challenge too is that we uh, we're maxed out. For the holidays, like when we're when we're cranking, getting things ready to go for Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and everything, we are the facility is completely packed. where we can't do anything more. So so during that time of year, like I don't know, we could use a new facility like tomorrow. Come January, since we're so tied to the general retail calendar, January it's it's less so. So so how making some business adjustments during that time um, is. Is just another, is another challenge that we're looking forward to overcome.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, Can either of you think of anything I haven't asked you about? Again, just wanted to, to, to give listeners a sense for who you are and, and uh, you know, what's been happening with the business.
1: I think I'll just give a last plug for uh, all of our products are available for sale at northcountrycharcuterie.com. Locally, we're also selling at a lot of farmers markets. We're excited that the farmers market season is kind of back in swing and we're in Dublin, Worthington, Clintonville, Hilliard, and Upper Arlington when those start. And uh, if and go the,
2: to Wyland's Market, go, yep. big time. They're carrying <laughs> they're carrying all of our fresh or three of our fresh sausages and our bacon, as well as all of our uh, dry cured meats. They Kent Rand over there has also been donating his time to uh, slice up some of our whole muscle uh, cured meats that are only available to. Uh, the end consumer at Weilands. Uh, You might find, you also find them at some um, restaurants. But pre-sliced products only available at Weiland's. So if you want to try some of our Risola, which is a cured beef product, or our Speck, which is a thing of a, a, a smoked ham, and uh, you can
1: find it there. That, that'd that be an example too, I think, to, play, mm-hmm. to build off of what James was mentioning before around production and packaging equipment. If we can get into pre-sliced, um, vacuum packaged, single serving, two, three ounces, something like that. That's something that we've really wanted to try to attempt. We've done a little bit with some of the package equipment that we have, but if we can pre-slice the brissola, like James mentioned, or pre-slice our spec, which is a basically a cured, a smoked and cured ham, and then sell those pre-sliced, ready to go and that'd... package correctly. Yes, yeah. Right now, when we
2: package it in our facility, it just it's very difficult for the consumer to. It's not uh, getting to the consumer the way we want it to. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Well, uh, thank you both for giving me some time today and uh, chatting with me. I will uh, let you know if I have any other questions, but otherwise, this is great. All right. Yeah, cool. Thanks a lot, Dan. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Dan.